A reading from the grapevine, May 2010, it says, On Steps and Traditions. This article is called Ugly Words. A postponed fifth step makes a sponsy lash out. One day I was preparing for my fifth step with my sponsor, DJ, who lived in California. We were going to do it via an internet phone system because I live in Japan and it was difficult to see him directly. Fifteen months had passed since my last formal inventory. Originally, we planned to do my fifth step two months prior <clears throat> to this. When I went to California, but during my stay, his mother, who has been sick for a year, passed away. So I returned to Japan with my inventory sheet remaining unopened, and I rescheduled my fifth step. In the interim, some new troubles had come up, and I was emotionally confused, so I seriously needed to clean up myself. One hour before the new starting time we had planned, DJ called me with bad news. His sponsor, my grand sponsor, BM, had been killed in a motorcycle crash. DJ was very much in shock and asked me if we could postpone my fifth step. Again, it was also shocking for me, but I could not accept it because I was in a spiritual crisis. I should have been sorry for him losing his mother and sponsor within such a short period of time, but I was not. Instead, I remember it was the second postponement of my step, and I said, God does not want me to take the steps. DJ got angry and said, That is a very self-centered statement. You are not a victim. I knew it, but I could not control my words. I was thinking about only about my pain. He said, I'll call you later. After ha hanging up, I regretted that I said such an ugly thing, and I cried. I had been in contact with BM, my grand sponsor, many times, and I loved him. However, I resented him passing because it interrupted my inventory. I hated that part of him myself. DJ called me back a short while later and said, Let's do as we plan. Let's do this as we plan. I was surprised. He told me that some of his friends had recommended that he hear my inventory and get out of himself. He also said that BM would have told him to go get help, to go help a suffering alcoholic. His voice is very calm, different from in the previous call. He said, now I can concentrate on your inventory. We started the fifth step with the serenity prayer. It took us seven hours over a two-day period. Through that process, I was relieved. I came back to the grace of God. I was full of gratitude to my sponsor and the people around him for helping me. After finishing my fifth step, I went to a meeting where the topic was the fifth tradition. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. I recognized that I was suffering and I, that I was a suffering alcoholic who had received the message, and I had to pass it on. I'm happy I was saved from my crisis, 
and that sanity had returned. Although I don't like to find excessive meanings in someone's death, I learned AA's love through this loss. T.S. Japan Greetings. My name is Patrick and I'm an alcoholic. Today is Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. Today I'll be reading from Emotional Sobriety, The Next Frontier. And what these stories are, they're excerpts from uh, AA's monthly Grapevine publication. Start this one off with an article called The Ability to Love, dated May 1962. Since my first day in AA, I have been hearing about love as manifested in our fellowship. I heard the members talk about the privilege of making 12-step calls, the love they felt for drunks. I sat through these meetings nursing the shame that I didn't always feel this. In trying to work the honesty part of the program, I had to admit that I did not always like to call on drunks and that I had little tolerance or patience with them. I accepted the calls because I had been taught from the beginning that my sobriety depended on it. There was also an element of fear. If I refused to take calls, I would be criticized by the group and their approval was of utmost importance to me. When I had to call on a particularly long-bottom alcoholic, I sometimes felt actual revulsion. This honest evaluation of my feelings was as far as I can get. I was filled with guilt, and self-loathing because of my attitude. I tried discussing this with one or two other members, but they didn't seem to understand. I finally got to the point where I couldn't tolerate the word love because I thought I could not experience it. I couldn't believe that others could. I called them phonies. I cried that they were decorating the word, practicing cheap emotionalism. I noted that Christ had commanded us to love one another. I reasoned that if it was a commandment, then it must be a thing that could be willed. At this point, I decided I must be hopeless. The more I willed it, the more elusive it became. I have always found beauty in the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. I have heard it referred to many times in our literature and meetings, and carried a copy of it in my wallet. One day while reading this prayer, the full realization of its meaning began to come through to me. This saintly man was praying to God that it be granted that he seek to love more than to be loved. Not that he express love to its fullest, not that he express it at all, not that he seek it completely, but only that he seek it more than he sought to be loved. Hope began to grow in me. I suddenly realized that there was a man who had lived through the same experience as I, reaching across the centuries to me. The hard core of my guilt began to disintegrate And there came to my mind what I have always considered as two key words in AA, willingness and grace. I must become willing to seek to love more than I sought to be loved and ask God's grace in granting this. We are our desires. If I begin to desire the ability to love, so would it be granted. Slowly, very slowly, I began to feel a stirring within my soul. Meetings seemed to have a greater depth. I began to feel a new emotion towards the newcomer. Twelve-step calls were indeed a privilege. I began to feel... love? Could this be love? Yes. I remember that there are degrees of everything. Because I had not that felt that great love for mankind as expressed by a Schweitzer or a Gandhi, I thought I was incapable of any love. 
the old alcoholic perfectionism. Now, when I attend meetings, it no longer bothers me to hear the members speak of love. I am not sitting alone with guilt and shame. I am sharing. I belong. I am part of the group. God grant me that I continue to seek not to, so much to be loved as to love. That is from Anonymous in Lexington, Kentucky. Part two of our readings is titled Miracles to Go. And that's dated August 1997. I remember the best AA meeting I ever attended. It was in a western town, a noon meeting in an old building next to the railroad tracks. Where else? <laughs> I was new and not talking it. I hunkered down on the dilapidated couch, comfortable from years of use. My hat pulled low. Cigarette smoke hung from the ceilings. Sunbeams streamed at an angle, landing on very old wood floor. And the coffee was strong. The meeting began as usual and a man was called upon to read how it works. He began to read very slowly. Rarely have we seen. I thought this is going to take forever. They should get another person to read, but they didn't. I looked at the big man slowly, struggling to speak each word. His face was scarred and pockmarked. His hands were like mitts. He must have weighed close to 300 pounds. One agonizing word after another, and how it works trickles out. The meeting was to end promptly at 1 p.m. It was 12.35, then 12.40. Everyone was silent. No one got up. Forty of us each had our own thoughts. For the first time, I'd noticed how many times the word honesty was mentioned in how it works. At 12.45, a wave of something invisible fell over me. I knew I belonged. If there was an answer here for this man, there was going to be one for me. That hour showed me AA at its best. Unconditional love and sincere hope that progress in our lives can happen. At 12.50, the basket came around. The man was still slowly reading. Everyone had tearful eyes, including me. Who can dispute that a miracle happened that day? This man, who, I later learned, had spent a hard life in prison... Finished the last word of how it works at 12.58. We all stood and held hands and finished simply with the Lord's Prayer. Amen. And that was from Norm N. Cedar Ridge, Colorado.